How many know what we really, really, really need is an increase of understanding of God's Word? Isn't it crazy, you guys that read, uh, you know, uh, chapter Proverbs every day, isn't it crazy how every month there's stuff in verses you read last month that you finally see this month, the stuff you picked up last month still good, still carrying you, but the, the new rhema, that nugget that you pick up every day, isn't it crazy how that works every month? You get something fresh out of God's Word. It's never going to get old to you. It's never going to dry up. It's just going to keep producing life in you. Amen. Praise God. God's Word is alive. I love God's Word. Tell somebody, I love God's Word. Amen. Hey, uh, as we get ready to go into the holiday season, you know, we'll be uh, doing the adoptive family uh, and providing for families that don't have enough or anything. And, uh, you know, what's really interesting is we're becoming known as the church that cares. Isn't that cool? Yeah, the church that cares. We, we've actually had people call in during the week and tell us that they, they are in need this season, that they're going to need help with Christmas. And, and they tell us that they called their church and their church recommended they contact us. Um, that's all right with me. I'm glad to be known as people who care. Hey, man, aren't you glad you care? Well, what, what if somebody takes advantage of us? Hey, how about God's love? No strings attached. How about we just do everything that we can do and pray over every bit of it that the anointing of God goes out with everything that we send out. You know, there, there might be people that get together this year and because you prayed over that, uh, what are those little hamster things that are getting really popular now? And they're, they're like 10 bucks and they run through this track and they got a ball. And it's like a pet hamster you can turn off and they're one of the hot gifts this year. And wouldn't it be crazy if you anointed that little sucker and sent him into somebody's house and every time they got around it, they just had to pray in tongues. I don't know. It would just be, you know, God can do whatever he wants to do, but you get to participate. Amen. So be, uh, you know, as you're planning your Christmas budget, just prepare yourself to be a blessing. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. Amen. I said God's blessed us and he doesn't do anything without a purpose. And his purpose for the blessing is so that you could be a blessing. According to Genesis, years of every family of the earth should be blessed by us. When do we know when we should quit? Well, when every family has been blessed. Amen? Every family. So let's just live to be a blessing. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you're doing a good job. Amen. Let's stand up together one more time. Get your Bible in your hand. Lift it up. Let's make a confession together. Hold your Bible up and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. He's worthy. Amen. We're excited about what God's doing. We're believing God for big things. Great, great big things. In your life. I said in your life. You know, Shelby and I and the leadership team, every week we're praying that you take another step into the life of victory that God's called you to live. That you experience new insight, revelation, and understanding. That you are infused with an inner strength that positions you to be ready for and equal to anything that comes your way. 
Amen. We're, we're believing God for, uh, for a warrior spirit and, and the ability to demonstrate Satan's defeat on a daily basis in your life. Amen. In your life. Realize we're, we're not just playing church up in here now. We didn't just get together so we could, you know, have it a good excuse to sing songs and make coffee. You know, uh, you know, I'm a musician. I, I love the worship and praise portion of the service. I, 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 and and I, I like the coffee. But I'll tell you what, it, what, what I'm really passionate about is watching you rise up to a new level. Come on, guys. Let's go now. Amen. We, we, we catch you playing church. We smack you around in the back room. You notice some people aren't here right now. This, they're in the hospital. We've been dealing with them. Man, so, uh, you know, you, you, you just want to start growing right away. Look at your neighbor and say, right away. You know, there's, there, there are some things in the body of Christ that, uh, that we have to deal with. And as we get ready to close out one season and, and enter a brand new one, you know, we're coming to the, to the end of another year. Can you believe it? Already. Already. It seems like, like we just talked about this. It seems like it was just a week or two ago where we were making the declaration that this is going to be the greatest year we've ever had. I got to tell you guys something. This has been the greatest year I've ever had. How about you? Come on, give God praise. This is the greatest year. Hey, man, he has done great things. Great things. God is doing great things. But it's so strange to be here again and say, okay, we're going to close out another year and move into a new one. And, you know, in order to get to where you've got to be, you've got to leave where you're at. There are some things that have to be put away. We've got to put it away so that we can move on to the next season. You, you know, in just a few weeks, uh, days maybe for some of you, maybe you've already started. You broke out the, the, you know, the Christmas decorations and you're getting them all ready. We, we, you know, nothing like that goes on at our house until Friday morning. Can't, can't bring out, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the little baby Jesus until we put the turkey tray away. Okay? It's just not right. We can't do it. Shelby goes up and down the street and she points out people who are ahead of schedule. Should have seen her in, in, in a Costco before Halloween when the Christmas trees were up. Oh, isn't it crazy? The commercialization of Christmas. It's a beautiful opportunity. Think about it. The, 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 the longer stores put Christmas out, the more opportunity you have to talk about Jesus to people you couldn't talk to Jesus about in Costco. Right? Wherever you go. You get, you get to bring up the reason for the season. I think it's awesome that, you know, I can't wait till the 4th of July. There's a Christmas tree standing there. We, we get a share of Jesus. But, you know, at the end of the season, some of us, some of us might actually have really made it this year when we recognize that, oh, I guess we don't have to take the tree down. It's time to put it up again. You know, it's still standing there. Nah, man, I guarantee you none of us have left it up all year. Why? Because we know when to put it away. Right? It would just be weird, wouldn't it, if you had the Christmas tree up all the time. That's the season when it's time to put stuff away. This morning, we're going to talk about some things that we got to put away so that we can get to the place where God wants us. Amen? I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read verses 8 through 13. It says, love never fails. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they're going to cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, that's going to pass away. Look at verse 9. And we know in part, we prophesy in part. Look at somebody say, you don't know everything. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. There's kind of come a day when everything's going to suddenly make sense. Look, look at the wind, and it's moving these things around, and this is crazy. <laughs> when I was a child... Uh, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Verse 12 says that we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And 13, these three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen? The greatest of these is love. There's a bunch of stuff that we are really connected to. Someday that's just going to fade away. But love knows no end. Amen? There's no end to that. Look at verse 11. It says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, or when I became mature, I put those things away. When I was immature, I talked immature. I thought immature. I reasoned immature. Yeah, I don't know if you recognize that pattern. Words turned into thoughts. Thoughts turned into those emotions. Those emotions started making choices. Those choices started being manifested in actions. Those actions created habits. That habit created the character, and that character is going to produce a final result. When I was a child, when I was immature, I just talked immature. But when I became mature, I put immature speech away. When I was immature, I thought immature thoughts. But when I became mature, I had to recognize immature thoughts and put those thoughts away. When I was immature, I reasoned. Just like all immature people do. But when I became mature, I had to put an end to immaturity in the way that I reasoned, in the way I made my choices, because I knew that my choices would determine my actions. My actions were going to create my habits. My habits was going to determine my character. My character was going to connect me to a final outcome. If you want the outcome that God has for you, Isaiah 46.10 says that God declared the end at the beginning. If you're going to get to the end that God declared for you in the beginning, somewhere in the middle, there's some stuff you're going to have to put away. Hello? That, well, God's just going to get me there. Do you remember the story of the, in the Bible of the people who spent 40 years on an 11-day journey? 40 years on an 11-day journey. Go back and study that. It says that God could not take them the short route. Because he knew that when they saw battle, that they'd just turn around and go back into bondage. You know, one of the interesting parts of that story is that God couldn't take them on a shortcut. God couldn't take them the short route. God I thought God could do anything. He, he can't cross your will. Well, God's in control. That sounds nice. But until you surrender in that arena of life, He can't control it. 
until you learn to really, absolutely, completely put your trust in Him. Acts 16.31, the message. Put your entire trust on the Master Jesus. Then you'll live life the way you're supposed to and your whole house too. But it's only after you put your entire trust in the Master. And we don't live like we're supposed to live all the time. Come on now, don't look at me with that tone of voice. It's not just me. I know that there are others in the room that every now and then you catch yourself living life the way you swore you'd never live it. Remember growing up and, and, and you know, and, uh, and I'm not complaining uh, uh, but, uh, at all. I have a wonderful family, great heritage. But I can remember certain things that my father would do. And I can remember being there and being all mad and saying to myself, I'm, when I'm a dad, I'm never going to do that. Any of you ever been there? I'm never, I'm never going to do, I'm never going to do that. And you know, when I remember that, when I'm almost done doing what I said I'd never do, there have been moments in the middle of doing something, I went, oh my God, I'm my dad. You know, there are some things that just happen in our life because we get so busy, so distracted, so rushed. We're living in a society that the, 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 the pace is hectic. It's chaos. I said, it's chaos. It's pretty hard to find peace when you are having to rush everywhere you go. And look at the schedule that we put our kids in. They, they're in school five days a week, and it's the minute they get out of school, they've got to be in practice, and then the minute they get out the practice field, they've got to get over there to that, and then they've got to get them up here, and we've got to move them over there, and we've got to run out here, and we've got to run there. And, and, you know, and we're training ourselves to be so busy that we don't have time to enjoy the life Jesus came to give us. You know, our goal should not be... To be busy. It should be to be effective. Right? To be effective. You ought to look at the church calendar. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, you got to understand something, though. We, we don't expect you to be at every event. We expect you to be at the ones you said you were coming to. But you don't have to be at everything. You find so it's like the three services. You actually don't have to attend all three of them. Well, some of you do. But not all of it. You know what I'm saying? If we're not careful, it's our culture that, that draws us into such a pace that we find ourselves doing things we said we'd never do. Well, you've got to be mature enough to, to put some things away. All right. There, there, there is there is something that plagues the body of Christ. And I believe that as a corporate body, we we need to deal with this. We've got to deal with certain things because, you know, as a church, we're, we're young. And but God's taken us somewhere. As individuals, this thing plagues believers, all, you know, around the world. And, and it's got to be addressed. And it's. It's the level of immaturity that we seem to tolerate or be willing to accept. Immaturity has got to be put away to get where God needs you to be. You have some things in your life. Uh, we're, we're really not here today just making a CD to mail to friends that we know that really need this. We're actually talking to God and allowing God to talk to us. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here.
Tell them you really need this. <laughs> Childish behavior plagues the body of Christ. You know, there is a time or a season that immaturity is not only acceptable, it's expected. But there's also a season when these behaviors must be put away. We ought not tolerate low-level living results in our life. When we are seeing the result of low-level living, we ought to be able to recognize it. That's not the picture that God painted. That's not the promise. Isn't it interesting that when we're not seeing the production of God's promise in our life, often we turn and ask God, what's wrong with you? Where are you at, God? How come you lied? No, if you want to see God produce what he promised, first you must be willing to do what he said. But when you do what he said, he produces what he promised every single time. So when we're seeing a result in our life, in our home, in our relationships, in our finances, in our health, that, that is not in agreement with God's word, we, we don't ask God, what's wrong with you? We go and we begin to find out, where am I living in immaturity? What needs to be put away in my life so I can see the result that God promised? Amen? Let me just begin today and just begin to share some things with you that I believe that we have got to understand. And, and it, it'll be, uh, you know, just marks or uh, evidence of maturity. Here's some things that we need to look at our life and make sure that we've got the evidence that we can prove we're growing up. That we can prove we're being led by the Spirit. Amen? Shouldn't you ought to be able to prove it? You want to prove it? I believe you can prove it, and you are proving it, and all we got to do is take another step, and we'll be a greater threat than we already have been to the powers of darkness. Amen? What's the, the, the number one thing, I believe, is that we need to have an understanding of the fight of faith. I think that we have to understand how to live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Got it out there, front. Habakkuk two four, Romans one seventeen, Galatians three eleven, Hebrews ten thirty eight. All of them say the just shall live by faith. If you're born again, you're justified by Christ. The Bible tells you how you're going to live. You are going to live by faith. This is how we do it. Oh, we're a faith church. Well, you'd rather be a faith church than an unbelief church, wouldn't you? Of course we're a faith church. We're justified by Christ, so we got to walk by faith. You know, faith is, you, you're going to live by faith. God's Word says this is how the just live. Now, it's either going to be on purpose or on demand. It's either going to be because you chose to or because you have to. I am here today to tell you that choosing to live by faith is much more enjoyable than having to. Amen? That, that's good right there. I mean, mm, you just sit there and soak that in. Choosing to live by faith is much greater than having to live by faith. See, a lot of people wait until tragedy hits before they find out what God said. But if you'd find out what God said, you could divert the tragedy that could occur should you live without God's Word. I want to live by faith because I choose to, not because I got to. I don't want to constantly be in trouble. You know, isn't it crazy that, that, that in, in Christian homes, quite often it's finally, you know, well, look, 
Let's just go ahead and call everybody that we know and, and, and let's, let's, let's begin to pray about it. And, and you almost, it's almost like the statement, has it finally come down to this? We're going to have to trust God. Oh, we're supposed to be there first. See, I think the trend of immaturity is to live by sight, to live by logic, to live by reasoning. But the trend of the mature is just to get up every day and say, I'm going to live God's word today. I'm going to believe God's word today. God has been mindful of me. He will bless me, me and my children. How does God bless? Well, according to Genesis, and that's the first place he blessed, the Lord put them in the garden. He blessed them and said, so God's word is what produces the blessing. So if God wants to bless me, I need some of God's word. I guess I'm going to have to carve out time in my schedule to get in God's word. The immature come and get God's word once a week. The mature find a place every day. To increase their knowledge of God's word. Mark 4.24 in the Amplified says the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the virtue of knowledge that comes back to you. And more shall be given to him who has. More understanding comes to those who, who are pursuing understanding. God wants to increase your level of understanding of his word. Why? Because that's how you live. We live by faith. Come on, somebody. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, well have, have you heard the news? Have you heard the news? You might need to change channels. So one of the best things you can do in, in the middle of a recession is turn off the news. You understand the word recession simply means a response to a report given. Is it possible that they have the wrong report? Have you listened to what they're saying? I don't believe that. You know what? We chose not to participate in the recession and seem to be doing fine. What does God's word say? What's the Bible say? Well, don't go and talk to those people. All they want to do is preach to you. That's what you need. You need the gospel. I need money. No, you need the gospel. You know what's crazy? Even the word gospel. In Christ's day, the word gospel was a slang term. It's not a religious term. It's not a religious word. In Christ's day, it was like awesome or sick. You know, today, if someone says, your kid is sick, you don't, that, don't take his temperature. That means he's groovy. Okay? He's cool. That's neato. You know, for some of you guys, help you understand where we're at. Gospel. If somebody came up and they said, man, I just won the Jerusalem lottery. Gospel. I just made homecoming court. Gospel. That's groovy. That's wicked awesome. When they were preaching the story of Christ, it was so good. All they could think of is gospel. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Gospel. You don't have to spend eternity separated from God. Jesus shed his blood. He died on that cross and he rose again. I saw him with my own eyes. Gospel. See, what you need is gospel. You need the good news. You, you, you need to have an understanding that God is for you, not against you. If God's for me, who cares who's against me? The Lord is on my side. I live by Faith. 
I've got a word to stand on. And I know the devil's a liar, but I also know God's word is true. I'm going to live by faith. I think one of the greatest evidences of maturity is the ability to live by faith, to stop being moved and shaken by what you see and what you hear going on around you and to take a stand and know what God says. Because God has an answer to every situation you're dealing with. God has a promise that if you'll do what he said, he'll get you through every challenge that faces you. Amen? We gotta put it away. I think the, the second thing that we gotta do is that we have to have an understanding of worship. Worship. I'm not talking about singing slow songs. Those are tools that we use as a corporate body to enter the presence of God and to draw near to God. But really, the lifestyle of worship isn't just walking around singing constantly. A lifestyle of worship. The word worship, if you do a, a study of that word, if you go to your Vines Expository Dictionary, the word worship means to rivet your eyes or attention on someone or something, to sit at one's feet even as a dog sits at his master's feet, licking his master's hand. It means to be so focused on someone else that everything else just kind of fades away. Remember how it was when you first met your spouse? You know, you married couples. Remember how it was when, when that person first came into your life? I remember how Shelby was when she first saw me. And everything else just faded away. I remember one time my mother and I, and she's here today, she can testify, uh, that we, we walked into a M- Montgomery Ward's store. And Shelby and her mother were in the, you know, in, in the store shopping and they both got behind a, a rack of clothes and they, they looked through the rack and as we went by, I heard Shelby say, there he is. I liked it so much, I came by two or three more times. Remember how it was when every... It's still that way, isn't it, honey? Do you realize there's other people in the room? Calm down. It's the same way for me. Love you. Remember? Everything else fades away. Remember when you first saw that car, that boat, or that motorcycle that you're going to get in two weeks. Remember? And everything else faded away. Food, who needs it? Electricity, we we can live without it. We're getting a boat. Because your mind is riveted on someone or something. I, I believe that evidence of maturity is when your mind is so focused on God. That the stuff that used to be vital takes a second seat. It's not that you're not going to pay your bills. It's not that you're not going to build your business. No, it's that you're going to be including God in everything you do. That that worship, that worship. Jesus said, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings you have perfected praise. You have perfected praise. He was quoting from a scripture in Psalms, verse chapter 8, verse 2. Psalms 8, 2. It says, Out of the mouth of babes and unweaned infants you have established strength because of your foe that you might silence the enemy. We're talking about your praise and your worship. Your, your, your mind, riveted on God, has the ability to shut hell up. Some of us need hell to be quiet. Jesus 
trying to speak into our life. God, through his word, trying to speak into our life. But our life is so loud, we can't hear him. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Why don't we open the door? Because it's so noisy in life, we, we can't even hear him. We need God to be the focus of our life. Our first question shouldn't be, what am I going to get out of this? Our first question is, is this what God would have me do? God, I live for you. I surrender to you, your will, your way in my life. Can you imagine what it would have been like if one of us had been preparing to face the cross? You, you, do you understand the, the power that was in Christ's prayer when he said, not my will, but thine be done? Man, i got to tell you, if it was me, I might not have prayed that prayer. Kill them all, God. They've been mean to me. Hello? we got to learn to get God first. got to understand the importance of a lifestyle of worship. You know, it says prophecies are going to fail. Tongues are going to cease. Knowledge is even going to vanish away. But love is going to endure forever. Love never fails. Worship is simply a manifestation of love. That's really why we've incorporated music into the worship. Because man needs to find a way to express his love for God. Oh, I love that song. Well, really, we weren't singing it for you. I'm glad you enjoyed it, but we want to minister to the heart of God. Jesus, lover of my soul. I'm never, 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 never going to let you go. Always going to push you to the top and focus on you, God. It's a lifestyle that we've got to develop and get better at. Because we're in a society, well, the, the best way to sell a product is to tell you what it'll do for you. This bud's for you. Have it your way. You deserve a break today. Life isn't about you. That's an immature mindset. See, but when you put that away and you move, you move over into maturity, you realize, no, I'm, I'm living for God. And He needs to be included in the decision-making process. He needs to be focused on, even in, in the worst of situations, I need to see God there. I need to be able to see God there. It'll cause hell to shut up. It'll silence the enemy. All of a sudden, the enemy loses his voice. Why? Because you've given one to God. Amen? The third thing, I believe that we need to understand our grace. I think that when we move out of immaturity and into maturity, we'll begin to understand our grace. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. There is a grace on my life to be who God's created me to be. I think there's great maturity in just plugging in to 
you. Not trying to be somebody else or accomplish something else, but just knowing and understanding who God's called you to be. Ephesians 3.20. Look at this verse. This is great. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, way more, way better, much higher than anything you could ask or think if you would allow the grace that's on you to operate. How come I can't get breakthrough here? How, how come I can't get this accomplished? Well, I've tried. I've done everything. What am I doing wrong? Is it possible that you're trying to operate outside of your grace? You know, growing up in church, it's amazing to me how many singers want to preach, how many preachers want to sing. People that are gifted and called and have the, uh, the talent and the ability to really be effective in children's ministry, they, they, they want to greet. And people who really ought to be out there greeting people are trying to do something else. No, where's your grace? Move over into the arena of maturity and be who God's called you to be. Somebody say amen. Let grace become your passion, then your passion will become your reality. You know where real fulfillment is found? In being exactly who God's called and created you to be. You know, the temptation, isn't it? Isn't the temptation to find people that really impress us and then to attempt to emulate them? You know, I have some great friends in ministry. Great friends. And the way they communicate, man, I, I, I just, I love the way they communicate. But when I try to be like them, it sucketh. I cannot flow. You know, like Sharky flows. I, Alec Rollins is an incredible communicator. And, but it's all, he stands very still. I end up, I'm done in like a minute and a half when I stand still. Some of you guys are going, stand there. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> you know, I just got to be who, who God's called me to be. Just got to be me. You know, so I, some people, they don't tell you anything about their life. No, me, I tell you everything. I regret it later, but I can't help it. This is who I am. You know, who are you? Who are you? You're, you're a blessing to the body of Christ, right? God has gifted you and graced you. you. You do realize that really the one main thing that God's doing on the earth today, there's really only one thing that God's really, really doing on the earth today, building His church. You understand that church is God's idea and that He's coming back for a church. And he's building that church. And that your gifting and your... Your grace is going to equip you and qualify you and anoint you to be an effective part of the body. What are you doing? How are you doing? Are, are, are you serving? Are you connected? Uh, are, you, are you making a difference? I think maturity will push you towards understanding your grace and operating in it. One reason I know it's vital that we get this is that as the church continues to grow, here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to become 
just at church. You understand what I'm saying? You know, there's something special about the garden. There, there, there's something there, God is involved. And, and, you know, and as the children's numbers increase, but it becomes more and more difficult to find people who will help minister to the children. Well, see, here's what I know, is I know that God wouldn't bring families with children in if he hadn't equipped us to effectively minister to those children. So somebody is fighting their grace. Look at your neighbor. Look back. Ask, is it you? <laughs> ought to be who God's called us to be. All of us got to be who God's created us to be. Right? I mean, we just got to do it. We got we to get our big boy pants on and do it. We got to be who God's called us to be. Oh, uh, you know, last weekend... Um, where, where we were ministering, you know, the, the, I don't know, 22, 2,500 people in two services. Uh, at the altar call, it was, it was crazy because at the altar call, some, I, there were hundreds of people, three to 500 people that got out of their chairs and come, you know, and come, coming down from the balconies and filling up across the front. And it was amazing. And, and I'm thinking, you know, before we could ever see that, we'll have to probably increase our level of commitment. We're going to have to operate in our grace. Hello? It's, you know, we're going to wear each other out if we don't start working with each other. Understand your grace. That's where fulfillment's at. That's where great joy's at. That, that's where the anointing for your life is at. It's just you knowing who you are. And being happy that God's created you to be you. Because nobody does you like you do. Amen? Where am I? Number four? Number four. Oh, good. I have to hurry. I don't know if I should give you four. Yeah, i got to give you four. I like four. I have ten of them. You're not getting them all today. Say, say thank you, Jesus. Uh, let, let me give you four. Number four is understanding that our need for God is greater than our need for friends. You know, what, what's an evidence of maturity? That you realize that you need God more than you need friends. I didn't say you don't need friends. I said you need God more than you need friends. Some of us put way too much effort, energy, resource into impressing people than we do into impressing God. We're more concerned with what others think than we are with what God thinks. That's actually idolatry. That we would put people in that place. We spend money to win friends. Can I share with you just, just a thought? That if you have to buy your friend, that's not a friend. That's a dependent. That God will connect people to you. And in life, in reality, real friends, close friends, you're not going to have that many of them. You're going to have 
lots of acquaintances and being part of a body. There's all kinds of people that eventually you, you know and you're connected to, but really close friends. I think that your close friends might be outnumbered by the nuggets offered in a McDonald's Happy Meal. You might think you have dozens of friends, but you don't. Real, close, got your back, take a bullet for your friends. You don't have that many. But you got God, who's attempting to direct you and connect you to other people. You need God more than you need friends. See, remember the people in your life that you thought were going to be there forever, and now they're gone? But God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's we find in him. I need God. The people who know their God, they're strong. They're doing great things. Not the people with a lot of friends. Because sometimes what God has asked you to do, called you to do, your friends won't like it. Hello? Your friends don't necessarily want you to follow the will of God. It's hard sometimes to get your family to agree. Your friends are fighting you. Those are not your friends. Quiet up in here. Oh, we're just listening to the wind. You need God. You need to be loyal to your friends, but submitted to God. I said you need to be loyal to your friends, but submitted to God. I think the Bible puts it this way. 1 Corinthians 15.33, I think. Don't be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good behavior. Wrong relationships will cause you to produce the wrong result. Don't be distracted by the opinion of your friends when you have received a word from God. Now, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, but once I know what God has told me to do, I don't ask my friends if it'll be okay. Amen? Let me give you one more. Understanding true gifts. Understanding true gifts. You know, there's a lot of things that we want, that we pursue, that we chase after, that once we get it, we wish we had never had it. Remember how, how badly you wanted a car, and then you got the car, and then six weeks later, you tried to sell the car, but you couldn't because you owed more on the car now than it was worth? Re remember how desperately you wanted to connect to a certain person, and when you finally did, you realized you don't like them? Remember uh, how you thought it would be great if you could get that promotion, you got the promotion, and then you found out the responsibility that came with it? Many of us live in a state of dissatisfaction because we're blind to what God's already given us. 
We already have everything, really, that we need. God has so richly blessed us. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There's so much great information in this one verse. Be careful for nothing. Be careful. Be anxious. Don't worry. Fret not. Be afraid. Be afraid of nothing. I, I want to put it to you this way. Nothing is, if you're going to fear something, fear nothing. Many of us are complaining about everything and wishing nothing would happen. No, nothing is the one thing you can't let happen. With God, nothing is impossible. So if you're getting nothing, you're without God. So be afraid of nothing. If you're going to fear something, fear nothing. Because i got to have something to prove that there's life going on here. I can't have nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. What did you learn in school today? Nothing. What did they teach you? Nothing. What do you want for Christmas? Nothing. Isn't that kind of a level of immaturity? When you, when you, when you step out of that immaturity and over into the land of maturity... You realize nothing is not the result that I was created for. Be afraid of nothing. But in everything, in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Isn't it interesting that when we throw that in there, we think that what we're doing is that we're asking God for something we ain't got and we're thanking Him before we get it to demonstrate our level of faith. Now, with thanksgiving means being thankful for what you have. Now let's talk about what you think you need. But if you don't recognize what you have, how could you possibly come with integrity and ask for something more? How do you go to God and tell Him how much more you need if you won't admit Already what he's given. Oh, that was good right there. It's Thanksgiving week. It's Thanksgiving week, right? We're going to get together with family and friends and carve turkey and eat pumpkin pie and mashed potatoes and gravy. Praise Jesus. We've got to take a moment and ask God to open our eyes so that we can see what he's already blessed us with. You know, if I was forced to sit down and write out a list of things I need, I really couldn't put one material thing there. I don't need anything. I don't need a bigger house. I don't need a newer car. I don't need more money. I don't need any material thing. I can't think of one material thing I need. But I need more God. I need more of His presence. Uh, I, I need more insight and more revelation and greater understanding. I, I need it. I need to be thankful for what God's given me. God, I'm so blessed. I think I'm much like you. I, I have a house, a bed, 
I didn't have to walk here today. You know, I've been in places where people walked for days just to get together for church. We are so blessed. And I got a beautiful wife. I got kids that are awesome. I got friends. I got a church that loves me. I need to be thankful. I need to be afraid of thinking I got nothing. I got to be afraid of looking at what God's given me and not seeing it. So that when I go to God and make a request, it's legitimate. Because I thank Him for the goodness that He's poured out in my life. What a good God. What a good God we serve. How awesome it is to be connected to a great God. It's mercy and it's love and it's kindness poured, poured out on our lives. We need to be thankful. Immaturity can't see what God's done. Maturity begins to recognize every day that God has already blessed me. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me this morning? I want us to sing one more song before we go out.